We are in this series called Taking Ground, and this is really a historic time in, in the life of our church, a very significant season in our church family, and our theme verse, our key verse for this series together is coming from Joshua chapter 1 and verse 6, where it says, be strong and courageous, God speaking to Joshua, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. He's talking about the promised land. Wave at me if you've ever heard the promised land before. Just wave at me. Some of you are like, is that the Dallas Cowboys Stadium? No, that's a cool place. But that's not the promised land. It's, uh, when you read through Scripture, you read in the Bible, you'll find in Genesis chapter 12 that God spoke to Abraham and he said, I have a land for my people. And I want my people to inherit this land. It's the land of Canaan, a land that was said to flow with milk and honey. It was symbolic. It represented a place of God's provision, a place of God's protection, a place of abundance. And that's what God wanted for his people. That's what God had for his people. The promised land is also symbolic of the promised land that we have to look forward to, a place called heaven. Heaven is the ultimate promised land. Anybody looking forward to heaven? I'm just curious. Anybody looking forward to it? No more sickness, no more pain, no more heartache, no more disease, no more, no more taxes. Come on, something should get you excited right now. I mean, I can't wait for heaven. Heaven is referred to as the promised land. So God had the promised land for the people of Israel. He has the ultimate promised land for where we're going. And for us, in between these two pictures, I want you to know that God has promised land for you. God has a promised land both for you on a personal level and also for us as a church on a corporate level. Personally for you, God wants to bless you. God has new ground for you. He wants you to experience his promises and his blessings in your life in your family, in your marriage, in your future marriage. Come on, somebody, receive that. God wants to bless you. He wants to favor you in your work. He wants to favor you in your finances. How many of you want the blessing of the Lord and his favor on your life? Every single area of it. God has a promised land for you. He has a promised land for the church. He wants the church to continue to take ground. And what you have to understand is that as a part of this church family, if you call people's church home, this is your church family, you need to know that as you chase the promised land that God has for you as an individual, it will never be in conflict or in competition with the promised land that he has for your church family, corporately speaking. Now, I get it that some of you may be visiting with us this weekend. Maybe your first time to come to People's Church, and you're jumping into what I would say is a very unique sermon series, a very unique season of our church. Nonetheless, it is a historic one. It is a significant one. Because through this series, Pastor has been talking to us about how he believes that while God has done so much over the last 15 years in and through our church, he believes that our best days are not behind us, but they are in front of us. Do you believe that today? And it's not just for, true for our church, it's true for your life. And that's why in order to experience all that God has for us as a church, really that's individually made up of all of us experiencing the promises and the blessing that God has for us individually. They don't compete. They don't conflict. They work together. 
And so we've been looking at what this could mean for us corporately, and it's pretty uh, exciting uh, to think about it. God really is on the move. Did you hear him talking about the stories or just the faith commitments that have already come in and those who have set up the matching fund? It is so cool to already hear the stories of how God is speaking to people's hearts and they're stepping out in faith. And so what is this all about? What is it leaning towards? Well, there are a few specific things that are tied to this vision, 2019-2020, for taking ground. And, and here's what it is. Pastor announced at one night. Come on, who was at one night? Anybody show up at one night the other night? Woo! That was something else. That was a lot of fun. If you missed it, you really did. Don't miss the next one because those things are incredible. Pastor Herbert announced that we are starting our sixth campus in Edmond, Oklahoma in August of 2020. Are you excited about that? Can we praise the Lord together for the Edmond campus that is on the way? Here's the reality. There are some people right here, right now, while we're here in this place, there are people in Edmond who have yet to go to a church, to find a church, to experience the hope of Jesus Christ. And some people may be tempted to say, but man, there are churches everywhere. Let them go pick another one over there. Well, you know what? They could have said that about right here in Oklahoma City. They could have said that about People's Church before People's Church ever showed up. And what if whoever showed up here first, even at People's Church, said, this is enough. This is good. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that they didn't shut it down before I showed up. I'm glad that they didn't stop growing and taking ground before my family showed up. I'm glad they kept saying, no, there's somebody else. There are more people that we're going to include into this family. And I know that you're glad too. And there's somebody who's waiting for someone to come and speak Jesus in their language and in their approach to where they say, you know what? When I went to that church, I don't know. It just felt different. That is not to say that people's church is the only church or the best church or anything like that. I'm just saying it happens to be the best one for me, but that's okay. I'm just saying that there are some people who need to be reintroduced to Jesus who maybe didn't have a great church experience in the past. There's some people, for whatever reason, the church has not compelled them or drawn them to it. But when we go to Edmond, Oklahoma, there will be people who spend forever in heaven instead of hell because this church chose to say, we're taking ground in Jesus' name. Come on, Edmond 2020, we're taking ground. doesn't stop there. Pastor also talked about our campus in Indianapolis. Our, Indi our Indianapolis uh, campus meets every single week with having, on average, between 550 to 600, sometimes over 600 people who show up to do church in a middle school. They go in and they take over the school and do all of the setup. I think that they get there at like 5, 530 in the morning every single week, setting it all up, transforming a school system, a school building, into a church facility. They had to start doing multiple services. They're needing to do more services. And what we realize is, well, while God is blessing it, if we're going to reach more people, we need a building. So we're looking to build a building or buy some land. And what is it going to take for Indy to have more of a permanent location and a place where people in the community know that church is here to stay. It's now somewhere that's more accessible. It's more visible so that more people can even know about it and go. So we're taking ground, and that's the goal for Indianapolis. That's not to speak of the local, national, and global ministry needs that this church meets day in and day out. So whether it's the children that are being uh, cared for and loved on and fed in Haiti, they're, being, they're having their physical needs met so that we can not only care for them physically, but then introducing them to Jesus and meeting their spiritual needs. 
but there are also uh, projects that are going on to where literally supporting missionaries who are going around the entire globe telling people about Jesus. That's something that we, cha- that we, that we fund and take care of out of Dream Builders. Also, in addition to that, our association of related churches where we are planting churches all over. Listen, this is what this vision is about. We are taking more ground in Jesus' name. So Pastor Herbert kicked it off, and did he ever kick it off when he talked about week one being strong and courageous. In order to take the promised land, you're going to be strong and courageous. Do you remember the wall he had up here? Oh, were you here for that Sunday when he had the wall? See, I wasn't in town, and I was away, and I had to watch on my phone. But I thought I was going to start doing a Jericho march in my car just because Pastor, Mar- Pastor Herbert's up here marching around these walls. And he kept, he, what, what was he saying? March! You know, so I can't do it like he could do it. But he was marching around the wall, and he's going down to the end, and then it, it, it fell down at the end, and he just said, I'm fired up. I'm like, I can tell you are. You go ahead, Pastor Herbert. I mean, it, he was like passionate. He said, God wants us to take more ground. Then he talked the next week about how we're not supposed to touch the devoted things. In other words, that tie that's the Lord's. When God says, don't touch this, don't mess with that. And it's not because God needs it. He wants us to revere him and trust him and respect it and say, God, I recognize that all we have is from you. And the way I'm going to express that is by the first 10% of all that you bless me with, I'm going to give that back knowing that the tithe belongs to the Lord. And so he did that. And uh, then if you were at one night, you know, he, he spoke on Caleb and what it means to live with a different spirit. If we're going to take more ground, we have to live with a different spirit. I thank God for how he's worked in me in the past. I thank God for how he's grown me in the past. I thank God that I'm not who I used to be, but I'm not yet who I'm going to be. How many of you are thankful that God wants to continue to draw you closer and pull you deeper? God has more for you. Somebody shout more. God has more for your life, and God has more for this church. And so we're going to be looking today in our next part on what it means to have faith to take the promised land. Somebody say faith. Faith. Tell your friend right now, it requires faith. Come on, tell them it requires faith to take the promised land. When it comes to living by faith, most of us talk a better game than we play. Now, we can talk about faith. We're people of faith. Come on, you ever heard that? We're people of faith. We're faith-believing people. God responds to our faith. We can talk about faith, but it's so much different when you're talking about really walking by faith. And a lot of times it's easier to talk it out than it is to walk it out. And, and, and I'm convicted at times when I look at what I sing about, what I talk about, versus what I walk out in the area of faith. One night I was getting ready to speak to a group of students when I was a youth pastor, and I was in the youth room, and I was setting up the chairs. I was getting everything ready. As a matter of fact, what I was doing is I was taking a few chairs off. I'd set up a, a little bit too many, right? And so I'd taken a few chairs off, and as I was taking them off, my friend, another guy on the staff, he walked in and said, Scotty, what are you doing? And I said, I'm taking some of these chairs down. And he said, why are you taking some of the chairs now? I said, because look outside. It's nasty weather. It's cold. There's ice on the road. Some churches have already canceled. We're probably going to cancel. And even if we don't, if we do have church, nobody's going to show up tonight. And he said, well, what's your message on? What are you speaking on? And I said, faith. Mm. Soon as I said it, I thought, I'm a loser. I mean, I can't believe I'm sitting here talking about nobody's going to come. We're going to cancel service. It's not going to be any good, but bless the Lord, we're speaking on faith tonight. I mean, it was just humbling. But I find myself hanging out there far more than I wish that I wish to admit. 
It's just easier to talk about it than it really is to do it. Some people choose to, instead of living by faith, they live based on their fears. You know anybody like that? Their decisions are based on fears. Their days are based on fears. I mean, it can be beautiful, sunny outside. The birds are singing, and you go, oh, what a beautiful day. They're like, yeah, but it's going to rain soon. I mean, no matter what it is, they're afraid of the bad news that's just around the corner. You ever met anybody like that? Hey, I heard you got a job interview. They probably won't hire me. You know anybody like that? (laughs) Worst case scenario on everything. Worst case scenario, right? Some people live life based on their fears. Other people, they don't live their life simply based on fears, but they live based on feelings. Sometimes it's fears. But sometimes it's feelings to where it's like really, really up. Pastor Herbert is up here marching. Their feelings start getting all fired up. And take, who wants to take ground? They're like, yeah, I want to take some ground. And they're like, hey, who wants to be a part of the vision? Like, I want to be a part of the vision. Then they get home and the feelings kind of get down a little bit, get in an argument with their spouse, you know, or kids started acting like kids. And they just went from taking new ground to, I'm not giving anything to that campaign. I'm not doing it. All of a sudden it's like, it's low, it's high. We're going to change the world. Yeah, y'all go ahead. I'm out. Whatever it is, it's depending on, on feelings. Good day, bad day. Determines whether or not I'm excited, I'm full of faith, I'm not. Some people live by feelings, some people live by fear, some people live by the facts. Now, this is the group, you got to watch this group, they'll get a little prideful on you. Because they'll start saying things like, I don't go by feelings, I don't live by my feelings. No, I don't even live by fear. I follow the facts. That's what I do. But let me just talk to my fact friends here for just a minute, okay? When you read your Bible, you'll see that not only does God have something greater than fear, greater than feelings, God has something greater than facts, and it's called faith. And here's what I mean by that. God does not call us to live by the facts. Did you know that the Israelites, in order to take their land, they had to ignore the facts because the fact was they never should have inherited the promised land. The fact was they were outmatched and outnumbered, but by faith, somebody say faith, they made it to the promised land. Listen, the fact is I don't deserve God's grace. Do you agree with that? No, I don't mean me. I mean about you. Some of y'all are like, yeah, you don't deserve it, man. No, I'm talking about you. We don't deserve God's grace. The fact is I don't deserve it, but by faith I receive it. God's grace is greater than all of my sin, and I receive that in Jesus' name. God doesn't want us stuck on the facts. You might start with the facts, but you don't stop there. The fact is that God has a promised land for you and a promised land for us. Now, I want to catch up with this story to where God is speaking and this is, this, this is a time to where he's, he's, he's getting his, his people ready to move towards the promised land. And he speaks to Moses and he tells Moses, listen, here's what you need to do. You need to send 12 scouts to go and check it out and bring that, that report back so that you'll know what you need to do to take the land. So 12 go out. And of the 12, 10 come back and say, man, let me tell you about the facts. The facts are we're outnumbered, outmatched, outsized. Man, these dudes are mean, nasty, ugly, and big. They will eat us for breakfast and lunch. We do not need to go. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. But then there were two that were not making their decisions based off of fear, feelings, or facts, but instead they were people of faith called Joshua and Caleb. As we pick up this story here in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, you'll see how Caleb is trying to say to all the doubters, listen, we got to walk by faith. Listen to what it says in Numbers 13, verse 30. 
Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Notice how he's talking about we in there. He's saying, we don't need to back down. We don't need to give up. We don't need to shrink back. We need to go after this. Point number one, if you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, you can write point number one down. It's this. Number one, we is greater than me. We is greater than me. God has a promised land for your life. But did you know that even for your personal promised land, you cannot get there by yourself? Like how many of you just showed up on planet earth by yourself? You needed some help getting here, right? You didn't just show up. How many of you, despite whatever difficulty you may have had growing up, you didn't raise yourself, right? Some of you are in marriages right now, and you look at it, and you're like, Lord, what in the world did you give me this husband for? Now, some of you are praying, and we could stop right there and give an altar call. Now, I'm not. But some of you, you know what God is saying? I brought that person into your life, assuming that you're living for God and honoring God. God is saying, I will use them, even in your frustration with them, to get you to your promised land. You can't get there by yourself. We is greater than me. Some of you husbands are going, Lord, this woman is driving me crazy. She is trying my patience. God's like, exactly. This is good for your prayer life. Like God's working on you. Oh, it's trying my patience. Yeah, because you need some patience. God will use your spouse to make you more like Jesus, yea, verily, to help your prayer life. Now, listen, for those of you that have kids, don't start shouting me down, but you know God will use kids to teach you patience, to teach you to depend on the Lord. Nothing will cause you to pray like a son or a daughter, just like, oh, God, help us, heaven, help us, Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, angel, everybody. Help me, Lord. We is greater than me. You can't get to your personal promised land by yourself. We can't get to our corporate promised land by ourselves. We is greater than me. But listen to this. We includes me. We all have a part to play. I want you to hear this. No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. Listen to what Caleb said. He said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Listen, friends, I can't buy the land for our sixth campus by myself. I wish I could. Do you know how fun that would be for me to write that check? You could come and watch me. It would just be a party. I'd be like, just watch this. I would love it, but I can't. I can't do it by myself. You can't start our sixth campus by yourself. I know that you're grown. I know that you're tough. I know that you're smart. I know that you got it all together, but you can't do it by yourself. I'd love to watch somebody try. It could be entertaining. I watch you out in the parking lot. You're going, come on in. You park right there. Then you'd run to the door and you'd open the door. I'm just so glad that you're, then you'd run in and grab the guitar and just start playing, trying to lead us in worship. And then you try and preach by yourself. Listen, that would be fun to watch. It would make for great entertainment, but it would make for a lousy church. You can't launch, launch a campus by yourself. No, this is a we is greater than me moment in our church where we realize that we all have to come together and all of us play a part. You have a role. Tell your friend right now next to you, you play a part. God has something he wants you to do. And you can always be sure of this. Whatever your role is, it will require faith. God started speaking to my heart. 
about what he wanted our family to do, my first thought was, I rebuke you, devil, in Jesus. I mean, that was my first thought, but it wasn't the devil. It was Jesus. He was speaking to my heart. I thought, you know, sometimes when God speaks something that's scary to you, and it seems like that's always the case whenever you're stepping out to take new ground for Jesus, you know, there's that moment where he just kind of catches your breath just a little bit, and then you're like, ah, I might just be making that up. You know, that number's so crazy. There's no way we could do Ah, there's no. And then I asked my, my wife, I started talking to my wife because I was thinking, you got to at some point have this conversation. You know, at some point, you got to bring it up. So I'm like, well... I've been, th- I've been thinking a little bit. <laughs> I've been asking the Lord, I've been praying, and she said, yeah, I have too. She said, I feel like, and she said the number, and it was the same exact number that God had placed on my heart, and I was like, oh, dear Lord, now I can't even pretend like I misunderstood. <laughs> Whatever your role is, it's going to scare you a little bit. That's natural. That's normal. Because God is calling all of us as individuals to chase the promised land that he has for us. But then corporately, what is that going to look like as a church? All of us walking by faith. And for some of you, whatever God speaks to your heart, it's scary. And it's going to look differently from what he speaks to somebody else. So he might speak something to your heart that if he spoke that to my heart, I would just freak out. I'd be like, there's no way. But God hasn't called me to give what he's told you to give. He hasn't called you to give what he's told me to give. That's why we broke it down on this card, on this vision card that you see in your seat back. And you'll notice on here, it's got it all broken down, like how much it would take to get to $2 million so that we could fund this vision. And it's broken out. This many people give this much. 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 And we get to $2 million. And some of y'all looking at that and you're going, huh, looks like they left my line off on there. I'm... Honey, they don't have one for $5 on here anywhere. I, I checked both sides. I guess we're good. I guess we don't have to. Listen, if whatever you feel like God is speaking in your heart, you feel like, I got this, I can do this, we're going to take some ground, it's probably not God because God's dreams are always bigger than our dreams. And it always causes us to say, this can only happen if each of us, all of us, step out in faith to do whatever it is that God is calling us to do. No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. So there are some of you, God's going to speak to your heart about $1,000, and you're going to say, well, at least that one is on here. There are are 200 of us that need to give $1,000, but it's going to be scary to you. God's going to help you as you step out in faith. You can be like the ten who rebelled against God, had all the reasons and excuses why they couldn't, or you can be like the two who had faith and said, we can do this. You'll step out to do it. There are some of you, it's not a thousand, some of you, you know what? You have the ability, God can speak to your heart, and you could write a $1 million check without blinking. Some of you are like, no, I'd blink. I'd blink a lot. Okay, so you might blink two or three times. I'm just saying that there are some of you, don't take the easy way out. The issue is not the amount. The issue is the obedience. To say all of us play a part. I'm not just looking for an average. I'm not just looking like, well, most people, well, according to this. I'm looking at saying, God, what are you saying to my heart? And then you step out 
and you do it. Let me give a second thing here as you look at what it looks like to take some ground and chase after what God has for us. Number two is this. God's dreams are always greater than our means. God's dreams are always greater than our means. Listen to what it says in Numbers chapter 14, verses 8 and 9. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land. Who will lead us into the land? God will lead us into the land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. He will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land because we're going to devour them. Their protection is gone, but look what it says. But the Lord is with us. You see, the reason that Caleb was so bold is that he wasn't saying, I can do this. I've got this. I got these weapons y'all don't know about. He didn't say, I got this because I'm strong enough. He didn't say, I've got this because I'm wealthy enough. I've got enough money. No, he said, we've got this because we've got the Lord and the Lord has us. His faith wasn't even tied to faith. It wasn't faith in faith. It was faith in the Lord. He said, if the Lord is pleased with us, the Lord will lead us. The Lord is with us. It wasn't that God lacked the ability to bring the other ten into the land. The problem was that they didn't trust that God would take care of them. They doubted and they missed the promise of God because of it. Whenever God calls us to step out in faith and to experience what he has for us. I want you to hear this. Your, su your success will never be determined by the measure of your resource, but rather by the measure of your faith. Your success will never be determined by the measure of your resource, but by the measure of your faith. You don't look at what you have or what you don't have to determine whether or not you can take the ground that God has for you. You simply trust him and obey him by faith. Aren't you glad that God didn't look at Moses and say, Moses, what is that in your hand? And Moses said, it's a stick, Lord. And God said, oh, my bad. It looked like a lightsaber from here. Never mind then. Moving right along. He didn't say that. He said, what is in your hand? He said, it's a stick. And he said, let me tell you what to do with that stick. I'm glad that he didn't look at David and say, David, I've got a plan for you. But since all you have is a slingshot, Tell me where your brothers are, because I need somebody with a sword. I'm thankful that he didn't look at the little boy with a fish and bread and say, how much do you have? Oh, never mind then. That's not quite enough. It's never about the measure of what we possess. It's always a measure of our faith that says, God, I will do with what I have whatever you tell me to do, and I'm going to trust in you for the miracle. That's why you just trust the Lord. You just step out and say, God, tell me what you want me to do, and I'm going to do it. I'll be obedient. Uh, have you ever heard that phrase before? Uh, that, 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 uh, it's, like, it's called, that book was written, The Five Love Languages. Anybody ever heard of that before? Raise your hand and wave at me if you've heard of The Five Love Languages. Who knows what their love language is? Anybody know what yours is? All right, let, let me just, for some people, it's gifts. For some people, it's acts of service. For some people, it's physical touch. For some people, it's words of affirmation. For some people, it's quality time. Fellas, if you're in here right now and you're like, huh, 
Man, I don't know what hers is. I'm about to help you out right now because I'm going to have everybody in here vote. And you might just kind of glance over and pay attention when her hand goes up. And when it does go, that's right, baby, I knew that. Just go with it, all right? All right, I want everybody in here to participate. How many of you say your love language would be gifts? Raise your hand. Come on, don't be shy. You're not greedy. Just raise your hand. Just like, no, you want to bless me, buy me something. That's all right. Just raise your hand. All right, how many of you would raise your hand and say, mine is acts of service? Oh, yeah, bless. Go do those dishes. Don't talk to me about love. Just get in there and show that laundry room you love me. That's what I'm talking about. All right, what about the third one about physical touch? How many of you that would be? Your love language, great. What about words of affirmation? Words of affirmation. Keep your hand up for just a moment. We want you to know you look nice today. Your hair looks great. We affirm you. All right, here's one more. What about quality time? Who's this quiet? Hey, some of y'all raise your hand on every single one of those. No wonder he's confused. He's like, I don't even know, man. I don't know. All of them. She needs all of them. Have you ever stopped and wondered what is God's love language? Like what is it that causes God to be aware of our love? Does God look at your life and does he know about your love because he's omniscient, meaning he knows all things and he can just see your heart so he just knows? Or does God know of your love because he sees it demonstrated and lived out in your life? I think about all the different things that we could say, God loves this, God loves this, God loves this. But there's one, man, when I go through the scripture from Old Testament to New Testament, there's one thing that is crystal clear to me. God loves it when his people walk by faith. I don't know why he chose it to set it up like that, but he keeps putting his people in situations to where they got to choose whether or not they're going to trust God or trust themselves. Whether or not they're going to serve God or serve themselves. He just does that over and over and over and over for us. But you know what I also see? is that not only does he smile when we step out in faith, but he smiles on us and he blesses our faith. And so you don't even have to guess. You don't even have to wonder because sometimes we do. Like, man, I don't know what his love language is. The man won't talk. The man won't say anything. I don't know what her love language is. She thinks I can read minds. And after 20 years, you think she would. No, I can't read your mind, but she won't say it. Listen, God removes all mystery. Even though he can say, I think I've been pretty clear here throughout all scripture, but I love it when you do this. He removes all doubt in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, where he says, and without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Did you catch that? He says, you want to know? You want to please me? I can tell you this. It will never happen without faith. You try and serve me in your own means. You try and live for me in your own way. You try and do what you do off of your own strength. Listen, the way God has set it up is that he wants us to walk by faith, not by sight. He loves it when we trust him. He loves it when we obey him. Even though we don't have it all figured out, it doesn't all make sense. We just simply step out and do what God tells us to do. And as it comes down for Casey and me, and we're looking at how we're going to do what God has called us to do, we start with the facts, but we don't stop there. 
So we start by looking at it going, man, is there planning that we've been doing or saving for a vacation that we just want to offer that up to the Lord and trust that God's going to take care of us? We're just going to give that. Is it that we can give up eating out more than normal? Is it that we can give up uh, coffee, you know, whatever it be? And God's speaking to some people and he's saying, listen, I want you to tap into savings or I want you to cash in these investments. Whatever it is that God's telling you to do, the important thing is not that you get hung up in the facts, but is that you trust him by faith facts would be a great place to start just don't stop there because the life of faith is lived at the deep end of the pool come on you know what i'm talking about the deep end of the pool where you can't feel the bottom but it's the part of the, the pool where you have all the fun. Like you go and somebody in the shallow and little kids, are, they're afraid. They don't know how to swim. They can't be in the deep end. They're, they're splashing. And after a few minutes, they get old. They can see the deep end and they want to be there because that's where all the fun happens. Man, you can jump off the diving board. You, you can dive in head first. Don't try that in the shallow end. You, you can jump in and go deep. Don't try that. You'll, you'll break an ankle jumping in like that. Shallow end, you'll break your ankle. Off the diving board, people can do a flip. They can do a backflip. They can do all kinds of things for me. I couldn't do any flips. I couldn't do any backflips, but I was really good. You know what mine was? My, the toothpick. <laughs> I just say, I, I want everybody to know. I want them to think that it was planned or something. Hey, I'm going to do it. You know, y'all do that. I'm going to do the toothpick. Here I go. I just do the toothpick is all that I could do. But you know what? That's where all the fun was happening. Deep into the pool. You know what God says? Listen. I want my kids to move out of the shallow living of Christianity that just says, no, we're good. We'll just hang out right here. It's safe. It's comfortable. God says, listen, you will have so much more fun. I know that it might be a little scary. You can't feel the bottom, but the fun life of faith is lived at the deep end of the pool. Go and chase God's dream for you, knowing it will require God's help to see it happen. I wanted to give you just this final thought here out of Numbers 13, 30 and Point number three, then we're going to wrap up, but it's, it's simply this. Numbers 13, 30. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. And look what he says. Let's go at once. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Point number three is this. Walking is better than talking. Walking is better than talking. Caleb didn't have all the answers. He didn't have it all figured out. But his faith was tied to his God, and his faith was accompanied by works. And he said, let's go at once. Somebody say, let's go. Come on, shout, let's go. Listen, we want to say, praise the Lord. I walk by faith, not by sight. No, we don't. We talk by faith, not by sight. We talk about faith. And we don't often enough say, I'm going to put feet to my faith and do something with it. And it just reminds you, ever seen somebody who started talking about exercising? Come on, just wave at me right now. You know, you know they just, they get the outfit. They get the exercise outfit, right? They get, the, they get the wristbands. They get a headband, sweatband, you know. They got the look going. Get a gym, gym membership. And three months later, you're like, bro, you still ain't done a jumping jack. You hadn't done anything, man. You got the look. You got the membership, and you, want, you, you can't even do a push-up. What you waiting on? Man, I'm, hey, I'm going to do something. 2020, man. I mean, it's just like you're talking. My kids, my kids, my kids wanted to sign up for Taekwondo. Taekwondo. 
was like, how much is it per person? Like, Y'all really want to do that? I'm like, you know what? Come to think of it, though, I got five girls. They need some Taekwondo. I got a little, little boy. He's the youngest. He's hanging out with his sisters a lot. He's going to need some Taekwondo. So I'm like, I'm going to sign them up. I signed them up. Now they don't want to do it. You know why? You know, the truth came out. You know what they said? We just wanted the uniform. They just wanted the uniform. They don't want to punch anybody. They don't want to get punched by anybody. They just want to wear the uniform. There are a lot of people like that. They want to dress up for faith. They just don't want to do anything. James chapter 2 and verse 26 says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is what? Dead. God loves it when we walk by faith. He doesn't want us to simply talk about loving others. He wants us to show him. He doesn't want us to talk about serving others. He wants us to act on it. He doesn't want us to talk about forgiving others, talk about sharing our faith, talk about reaching people with his love. He wants us to put our faith into action. And can I just tell you that when you do that, when I do that, we've just signed up to be a part of something miraculous. Because, man, while any time God calls me to do stuff like this, it always makes me nervous right at the very beginning. I have to overcome my fears by stepping out in faith. And as I do that, my faith begins to grow. And then I'm reminded of how God has helped me every time I've ever done this over the last 25 years of serving him and following him. Whether I'm raising money for a missionary or giving towards the expansion of kingdom work through a local church, whatever it is. When I step out and do what God tells me to do, I got story after story after story after story after story of how God always blesses me when I walk by faith. I was preaching one time at a youth camp. I was challenging those young people to give to some project that we had going on, something that we're going to do, some missions deal. It was a worthy cause. It was a kingdom impacting deal. And I wasn't holding back. I was challenging. You listen to God. You hear from God. You watch how God blesses you. And a girl came up to me after, a teenage girl. She said, Pastor Scotty, I believe the Lord spoke to me to give. And I said, oh, I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. She said, yep, I've been saving up money from, from, for college. She said, I feel like God wants me to take out my checkbook and write out the complete amount for everything that I have in my savings account and give it to this missions opportunity when she said that I got scared to death I was like well you know see now sometimes when we think God's speaking to us what's really happening is he says no I believe the Lord spoke to me and I believe I'm supposed to do it well he may have been like like I want you to give some of your savings no, I feel like I'm supposed to give all of it. And so I was like, man, listen, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go and talk to your mom and your dad because I ain't got time for a lawsuit right now. So why don't you go ahead? I said, talk to them. And if they feel good about it, you can know it's the Lord. So we went and talked with her mom and dad. And, man, I couldn't believe it. They were like, we don't know how this is going to work. We've been saving for a college. But if this is what God has, we believe it is, God will take care of us. Man, I, I so respected that. Well, that weekend, this girl plays in a softball tournament with her, with her school or team or whatever. Her team wins the tournament. She gets selected as MVP of the whole tournament. What do you think that the prize was for MVP of the tournament? 
college scholarship for more money than she had raised or saved in her savings account. Why? Because you cannot give God. And God smiles and smiles on you when you honor him and step out in faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Caleb didn't know how it was all going to work out. He wasn't saying, I got this whole thing figured out. He just said, come on, let's go at once. I don't know what God's going to be speaking to your heart over the next few days. I don't know what God may be speaking to your heart this morning. But if it's not scary to you, it's probably not God. And when you hear something and you just feel in your heart, you're like, how would I even know? There's just this sense where you keep coming back to it. And, and confirmation for me is when I know it's not me. Well, I don't know, like, man, mm-mm. Because I just felt like when the Lord spoke to my heart, I was going, God, I'm taking ground right now on hospital bills. That's where I'm taking ground right now, Lord. Just found out another, another member of our family needs braces. Apparently everybody in my family's got crooked teeth. So praise the Lord. Okay, we're taking ground at the orthodontist. Oh, somebody else needs glasses. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah, no, nobody can see in our family. Let's just go ahead and let's buy some more glasses. And then when I stepped out in faith and I wrote down what I felt like the Lord was supposed to do, you ever hear these stories about checks in the mail? Guess what I got? More bills. I was like, seriously, Lord? Because it doesn't come without a fight. He's not wanting me to talk about faith. He's wanting me to walk by faith. And when the winds start blowing, he wants me to see, are you going to run? Are you going to hide? Are you going to lean in and go, God, you are setting the stage for you to do what only you can do. And I trust you. And God wants you to step out by faith. You begin to pray and ask the Lord, don't miss next Sunday. Don't miss Commitment Sunday. Pastor Herbert's going to be back. He's going to be preaching. Bring your, your faith amount with you that you're going to set down on this goal, and you're just going to write it down and say, above my tithe, I commit to giving over the next 12 months. And you'll just write down whatever it is that God speaks to your heart. I really do believe that for many, if not most, God is about to speak something to your heart more than any gift you've ever given before. Why? I don't know. I just feel like that's the way God tends to work. Keeps stretching us, keeps growing us. Whatever it is, you write it down. So make sure that you come prayed up, you come full of faith for that. And, and then whenever we, we get here and you turn in your card, I know sometimes you can just feel like, okay, there it is. I, I wrote it down and I'm done. No, listen, you got to keep taking one step after the next step. For me, that means that I try and give as much as I can as quickly as I can. Why? Because delayed obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. Don't play, let's make a deal with God. All right, Lord, I hear you calling for 5,000. Lord, I'll meet you at 2,500. Listen, don't negotiate with God. You always lose when you submit, when you trust and obey. He'll always bless you. So for me, man, my next step is going to be at that miracle offering on December the 8th. I'm going to give as much as I can, as quickly as we can, and that's what we're working on right now. If you just happen to miss, you have to miss next week, jump online or take the card with you and fill it out and get it turned in but just take your next step you got to get the seed in the ground be weird for the farmer if he had all of the seed in his pocket and he's out there staring at the dirt lord as soon as you produce a crop i'm going to give and god's like i already put the seed in your pocket i just need you to put it into the ground and watch me make it grow so it's so important in that first miracle offering that you begin to sow seed as much as you can, as quick as you can, and watch how God will bless you.